Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Forward Pressing, episode 64. It is currently, what is this, Monday, March 21st, 3 p.m. How you doing, Ennis? Doing good. It's actually 3.33 p.m., no? Yeah, 3.33 p.m. for me. 1.33 p.m. for you. Time zones. <laughs> Time zones. Um, yeah, we had some fun games this week. Um, a lot of a lot of big ones, actually. I'm so excited that I don't have to watch United football for like another two weeks. Um, so really happy about that. And some United, some United fan you are. Oh man, don't even get me started. I am depressed. Um, but as an Arsenal fan, you must be pretty excited these days, right? Dude, we're yeah, I, I, to say the least. Yes, I'm very excited. Um, yeah, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, we had some the Champions League games. Um, we can skim those a little bit. Um, but we had the Clasico. Um, we have some turmoil at the club that we'll talk about again um gareth southgate doing his stuff again i think he sucks i think he's an idiot we're gonna get into that damn um but first news and notes patrice evra this is not the news you expected to hear but patrice evra will be boxing a youtuber how do you feel about yeah it's i mean it was it was the most like wtf news of the week kind of like of all people to go to be boxing, I think everybody wants to be the next. Uh, everybody's trying to be the next Jack, Jake Paul, really. And no, I don't think people are trying to be the next Jake Paul. I think people are just trying to catch him back. That's what I think is happening. Yeah, but like the YouTuber that he's that he's fighting against is hasn't been relevant. Well, I mean, I don't really know him like that, but I don't. He hasn't been relevant in like a while. I think his name is Adam Saleh. I think I've heard, I've heard of. He he used to be like, I don't know if he was big for whatever reason, but he was like somewhat somewhat big. And he's I've I've never heard I haven't heard of himself for like years. So for him to just come back out of relevancy like that to like and to fight a legend like Evra to me it sounds more like a like a I guess a, not a PR move, but like you're trying to get back into like relevancy. I mean, PR move from both. Evra's just trying to catch back to Evra. Well, I mean, I mean, Evra's balling right now. Like he's on TV like every once in a while. So yeah, but he's doing it for the lulls. He's not doing it because he wants to be a boxer. Yeah, I guess so. But you know who else has been uh, back in relevancy? Our boy Tammy. Because Tammy, Tammy's, Tammy's in form. You remember when I told you Tammy should have went to Arsenal? That would have been sick. Right? I was down for it. I was for that. I was for that. Um, but uh, what is it? Mr. Mourinho is getting the best out of our boy Tammy. I think Mourinho seems to be more know how to work, how to, I mean, how to play in the best to to the best of his abilities. It is also a derby. It was also it wasn't a derby too, so it's actually a pretty big deal. Like to 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 score a double against Lazio in a derby and Roma wins. Like on the, I think it was three zero. Great for kick, great for kick like by the way. Uh, I, I mean, he scores in the first minute and then he gets a, he gets another one. He gets two goals. Like that's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, Tammy is running out. Of, he's running in form. He's running the Serie A right now. I think he's one of the best strikers. I think it's between it's probably between him and Osiman and others. Interestingly, how it's it's interesting, it's interesting the parody of the goal scorers like in Serie A versus the other leagues. I think it's kind of similar to what you will see you would see in the in the Prem, or how like you have like multiple ten plus goal scorers, depending on the team. They have a lot of ten plus goal scorers. Yeah, I mean you have like Vlaovic is running the league twenty one with Immobile, and then it's like Tammy's like tied for third with uh, Giovanni Simeone with fifteen. Goals. 
He has more goals than Lotaro Martinez. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Serie A has the best strikers. I would. I don't. I'm not exactly sure. Or the best strikers in the in the Serie A, you could talk about Vlaovic. Vlaovic. What is it? Martinez, Abraham, and Immobile. Maybe Immobile is old. Like I would add Osimhen to that list for for Napoli. I think he's been doing good. Yeah, he has 11 goals. Oh, I mean, the same area, real quick. There's that. There's that story of uh, this guy named Mustafa Sisse. He plays for Atalanta, or at least he just recently started playing for Atalanta because he signed. He came for like a refugee. So Atalanta, Atalanta played this weekend. They won against Bologna, one 0 and Mustafa Sisse scored a goal. And that that's and the story came up. The guy was uh, he used to play for like a refugee club in like the eight. I think it's it's eight tier in the in the Italian Italian leagues. So it's a it's a club that's uh, made only of like for refugee talents or refugee players, and um, he signed for like Atlanta Academy like in February. I think he had like three goals and like four games for the Primavera whatnot for the academy, and he got called up to the first team. And then I think I believe this was his first game or maybe a second, and to get the goal, and like a sp- in the span of like a few months, it's crazy how his life changed and stuff. That was just an interesting story that I heard that I thought was relevant to bring up because you don't really hear those stories a lot and you don't see those type of stories every day. It's one of those success stories, you know? Yeah. It's fun to hear stories like that. That's another Atalanta talent as well. Atalanta's bagging the talents. Um, what else we got to mention before we get into our main topics? Um, I- oh, uh, Monaco smack PSG 3-0. Yeah, PSG. Who's happening with PSG, man? What, like, what? I think PSG needs a break more than anybody else. Um, I mean, that's we're going to talk about that later um, because we got some Pochettino stuff to talk about. Obviously, like this puts a lot of stuff in question now. But um, I mean, it, Monaco, like this is just random kind of like Monaco have not been good this season, but they take down PSG. Like I wouldn't say they've been bad, but they're. They, I mean, they haven't been good. Yeah, they're not top three like they were in the past. Yeah, they're not Champions League spot like. But it's still for I mean still for for PSG to lose like that in that fashion was interesting. I mean I saw the highlights. It wasn't it wasn't great. Like the I mean that must have, that might have been like in terms of the midfield that might have been the, their worst games, just from the midfield perspective. But you know I think the PSG like like I said PSG needs to break of out of like anybody anybody playing right now. Uh, yeah, they're on the hot right now. Like, but I I, I got to expect my my gunners won again. My gunners won again. I got nothing to say. Yeah, you yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't. Uh you, you uh, I don't know if the FA Cup, FA Cup semis got set up, but I think Palace, City, Chelsea, and Liverpool are the final four. So don't know how that's gonna work out. Um I mean the fact that Palace are made have made it is pretty cool. Um but I mean I don't see them making the final unless the team that they play against is playing like their complete B team. But we'll see. Anything can happen, it's the Prem. Um, well, let's get into Barca and Madrid because we got the El Clasico, and this one was kind of hyped to be honest. I mean, we knew Benzema wasn't gonna play, right? No, yeah, we um, did that. well, I mean, actually, I didn't know that. I found out like early in the game, I didn't know he wasn't gonna start because I had Madrid winning it. Um, yeah, but that's, I mean, we're gonna talk about that after because I mean, the Benzema effect, man, not having Benzema, I mean, that team got overrun, but like, we gotta talk about Barca because I mean, the, the way they played the game plan was perfect and they dominated they dominated the whole game it almost felt too easy it did feel too easy and it was kind of concerning to be honest for madrid it, it kind of like i mean we've been high on madrid for a while just like 
with their performances and everything that they've been doing recently and you know legendary status world-class players and then you know they just really got exposed and i mean your boy obamayang was he was going off um that front three to be honest obamayang torres and dembele was they were all on point and the midfield that's a, that's a scary front three I mean, you're looking at the lineup now and, like, it's very similar players that we were talking about Barca when they were not good and now, like, you know, we're the same players and we're talking about this being a star-studded lineup now. Like, Xavi got the Xavi. Xavi ball is serious. Uh, Xavi ball came through. I mean, I want to ask you some questions and I want to hear your takes um, because I think this kind of exposes a lot of weaknesses Madrid have um, and how much of that is on Ancelotti because he, he got thoroughly outplayed. He took accountability for it. Yeah, he did. But that doesn't mean, like, you got to know, like, you take accountability, yes, but is this just a flaw in his tactics? Or do you think this is something that he can, like, change going forward to not happen again? Uh, I don't think – I think it was mostly oh, – it's. I think it's, it was one game where he got outplayed and it just happened to be the biggest game. You go from having Benzema striker to having to play Modric as a false nine. I think not only Benzema, but I think even the, the biggest absence was uh, Mendy at the uh, left back because Dembele ran through Nacho the entire game. Nacho was, I mean, Nacho's a pretty reliable defender usually, but... He was probably the worst player. He was, yeah, I mean, against Dembele, he didn't have a good game. And, I mean, that's why you, that was probably one of the biggest, uh, I guess, miss or the biggest absences in the, in Madrid, other than Benzema, I still think that Xavi just outplayed them tactic-wise. Tactic because if you look at almost like every goal, except for the second from Araujo, who, by the way, had a great game as well at left at the right back against Vinicius. Most For the most part, all the goals, it seemed pretty like open, like on the counters and stuff. Like it looks like it was always like a three on two or three V three and or four V three. And like Barca took advantage of that pretty easily. Don't know how they were able to find space that, quickly that early and like there was so much pace behind like the the the, the middle three which was you, you don't really see that happen often against uh against a madrid team like that i don't know maybe casemiro didn't look so great they have such a big presence in that midfield with like like you know cruz casemiro modric valverde like these are all players that take up a lot of space and that work so well together um in the midfield and then having barca just kind of expose them and just like run rampant with so much space it kind of just like makes you question was was their positioning off because that's what Ancelotti was trying to work towards or were they just getting outrun like because Busquets was there like Busquets, Pedri, De Jong like Busquets had a great game by the way yeah they were he was he was the, the maestro there you know and and then the, the the front three were just going like Dembele Dembele did to to Nacho what what uh uh Vinicius did to Hakimi in the in the, in the Champions League. Every time he had the ball, he was just running freely down the line. And you're kind of wondering where the defender is. No, but. it was it was a uh, it was a good game from uh, from them from I mean if it was a good game for the whole team for being honest. Even like De Young, De Young's been playing a little advanced in the last few game, few he months. Said, he said he he would he would sign like an eight year contract extension right now if he, if they offered it to him. Who De Young? Yeah, I mean I would. He has already he already has a long term one. I don't I don't really think you're like selling your your future like that is the, the smartest move, but he really loves what the way it's, things are right now. But he basically saying like he he for the rest, of the and he would do it right now if you could. Yeah, 
Him, he, he, I like him playing as an advanced role because he always, he always used to play. I think he used to play number ten back in the when I as a as a youth as an academy kid, and then I think I actually moved into like an eight, six, and even center back. The guy can play pretty much anywhere in the midfield uh, or through the middle, essentially. And like it was, it was interesting to see him as a sort of a. I don't, I want to say ten, but like sort of a ten in a sense because we kind of came back and forth, and he's more invested than he used to do in the past. So. I like the De Jong that I'm looking at right now. I'm, I'm liking the whole this whole Barca team. I, I don't want to say Barca is back, but like it seems like it is. I think a few more additions and they might be on for a run. They're they're back. Like I mean, they're gonna make a run at the table right now. I mean, they're third. I don't think they can win the league, obviously, but they'll finish top two. They'll like they'll they'll finish second. I'm I'm confident they'll finish second. I, th- I think if they can get back in the Champions League and maybe get the Europa League, it'll be a successful season. I mean, they're finishing in the Champions League for sure. They're already third place. They could, they're going to finish second. If they keep up this form, they'd have to have a massive collapse. And what, like, we're going to talk about United after, but, I mean, Barca did in four months what United have been trying to do for a decade, where they lost Messi, and we were, like, talking about the end of the world for Barca. Like, they're about to be a mid-tier club for the for the like foreseeable future because of the financial situation, losing Messi, like not having prepared for life after Messi and everything's really bad. Um, you know, you know, Chavi took over and like, he did not start off hot either. Um, and then I think, I think the Xavi move is probably the biggest, the game changer. Here we are four months later, they're beating Real Madrid 4-0. At Madrid. They've had a good run of form. They've made uh, really good signings that are all having an instant impact on the squad. And United are here making bigger signings. Four managers already go- come and gone. Five managers. Like, it's just... And we're, we're still back at the same place where we're not competing with the best teams in our league. Um, we don't have a system. We don't know who wants to... Who who's, like, should stay, who needs to go. Um, playing paying wages that we can't afford that are hindering us. Like I feel the pain in your voice right now. Because it's painful, man. Like this Barcelona are doing the business right. I mean, we listen, we don't know how the finances work because we thought they had no money and then they went and signed like, I mean, they got Obama and they got, uh, they, they got Traore that they paid for. They, they made big money moves for Ferran Torres. Like, but if, for if let's be, I think if we're being honest to an extent, like, Yes, this was a great game, and I think Barca's been doing well for a few months now. But, like, I don't want to go back on the... I mean, we're going to talk about Benzema, but... Is, are you saying it's too soon to say they're back? I don't want to say it's too soon to say they're back, but maybe let's not overreact ever after a game like this. I mean, like you mentioned, like Benzema wasn't there. How how different would the Benz game been had Benzema been there in the, in the front three and not just Vinicius by himself, essentially? I think Real Madrid probably get a goal at least. Yeah, I don't know if they win the game, but at least it gets a better performance from Madrid. If if anything, I think it, it rings alarm bells to the fact that they don't have the striker depth, and I think Barca should probably work towards that in the summer, not to have that summer, that kind of problem. Because I think Bamiyan has been great, but what if he gets injured? I think Depay Depay could be there, but he's also a wide player. I would probably want to have another option to make sure. But going back on you let me go back let me i'll let you go back on yours a little bit on united because i know it's painful i mean no like we're just we're seeing the failure in the in the front office for for uh for united in terms of like bringing in the proper signings like we've made some good signings key signings for sure but we've also made some terrible decisions we've also paid some terrible contracts 
and we're on manager number what five david moyes van gaal Mourinho, ole and now uh i mean now ragnick and then we're gonna get somebody else so it's gonna be manager six in a decade or something so Hey, do you want to, I know it's, it's kind of like not what we planned, but you want to keep going on the third topic rather than going on the three lines? We can do three lines at the end. Yeah, we can do that at the end because we, we didn't even talk about the, the England squad call-up. We're going to get into United right now. Um, I mean, it would be a fluid transition, but I mean, this is not, I'm just sad. I'm just sad because like, look at the Champions League, what happened, right? We got dominated by a let's go. The ref was, Probably the worst ref I've ever seen in my whole life, though. And not because he was just making calls against United. He was making bad calls the whole game for both sides, calling fouls that shouldn't be fouls, stopping the game when he shouldn't stop the game. Um, like, I don't understand. Did you, did you watch that game or no? I did. I lived the moment. Just also, by the way, this ref was has been caught um, in... Uh, a lot of scandals in the past and he was refing this game just to say um if you're curious you can go look it up he's like been caught in some like prostitution scandals and shit like that like it's, it's kind of scary um but uh yeah i mean listen it was a rough week from champions league overall i mean you know psg they crumble like that then we have questions about pochettino um ajax lose to benfica which was i mean listen it wasn't it's not a huge upset because both teams talent wise are, are pretty similar but we would have expected ajax to win that Um, and they lose. And those are two candidates for taking over the Man United jobs. Now that raises questions like, how do you feel if you're a Man United fan with the opportunity of getting Pochettino now? Because Pochettino was in the, in the talks when, before we put Ole in, in power, right? And I think at that time, it was a no-brainer. We all wanted Pochettino. And now, a couple of years later, we didn't have much success under Ole. And now Pochettino seems like, you know, you see this you see this performance from PSG and you're like, I really do not want that man at my club, you know? What about, what about, I mean, this, I, I didn't mention it, but what about a third, uh, another name that haven't been, that's never been mentioned. Like, I know he had a pretty good successful week for in the Champions League as well, Villarreal, but not, not Emery could be an option or absolutely not? For me, it's absolutely not. Um, And it's because for the same reason that we don't, I don't, I wouldn't really want um, Pochettino at the club anymore. Because the reason why we wanted Pochettino at the club um, three years ago was because we saw in him what we see in Ten Hag now. We see like a young manager that was like um, doing more with his club than like the means that he was given. Um, bringing Spurs to a Champions League final when people didn't think they had the club to do so, right? Um, and then you see it's like the potential there. You're, you're, you're banking on, on the potential. Um, which is what we would be doing with Ten Hag now. Like he's brought, he's had consistent, consistent, consistent results with Ajax, um, who lose their best players every year to the biggest clubs in Europe, and still manages to produce results. Um, and you're talking about the potential there. But we saw Pochettino go to PSG and have no success. Like uh, winning the league is not success, and they lost the league. Yeah, so. but I think it's. I mean, to be fair, I, to uh, I guess one argument that I could bring in terms of like then Ten Hag and the work he's done with Ajax is that. He's essentially doing what uh, is he, he's essentially he's essentially sorry working towards uh, or the way he works is based on Ajax business model as well because Ajax what is Ajax thing they don't have the money to like do the biggest signings and everything they don't play in the biggest league but what they do is that they develop they want to do one of the best clubs in terms of development and so is Benfica but to stay on Ajax they all they do is like buy young 
and buy like part like young talent, develop them to the to the level of like to high to the high levels. Now they can compete in the big games for Ajax and like have some history with them. To the stand, I mean, I don't think they expected to have that 2019 run like they did, and it kind of showed the, the 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 development or the progress that the development has been in, done at uh, at Ajax for a while. And now you get you get money for those. You get 50 mil for the young. You get 70 mil for the league. You get uh, I don't know how they got how much it got for Ziyech, but or even Van der Beek. Now you get some money. Now you now what you do you know you. And now you and now you reinvest that money into the exact same process. So it, it seems like it's only like it's uh what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Like a cycle? Yeah, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Not it's not the word, but a cycle which that works too. It's it's a cycle of things that uh, that they do. And I feel like Ten Hag just is a piece. He's the big he's the biggest piece in it, but he's the biggest piece of that puzzle of like cycling players and on and off and like selling them, recycling the money. Make the develop new players. I just think that he's had a great run in terms of tactics. Because remember, he used to coach. Uh, he used to like be an assistant coach at Guardiola at Bayern as well. So I feel like he has a bit of a Guardiola influence to his game. And maybe, maybe that's what United needs. Maybe that's maybe what United needs really is a, like a a disciple of uh, of of a Guardiola. I mean, I wouldn't but, be opposed to that. I mean, when you see how much success Man City are having, um, and. Like a, a lot of people were concerned because of the loss to Benfica, right in the Champions League. Does that would that be a concern for you in terms of like pursuing Ten Hag? Like, is this does this put that in question? Like to me, it doesn't change. One one game against um one game against Benfica that that ended like that. I don't I don't let that take away from all the other achievements um, that Ten Hag has done with Ajax in terms of like um, achieving success above his means. Like when Pochettino is different, right? Because PSG have three of the best players in the world as their front three. You got Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, and um, a whole other star-studded cast. And they lose in the term in the fashion of, of a choke. Like they choked against Madrid. They had the game choked against Madrid. Um, that's a mentality thing. That's a on the manager to to rally the squad to to keep the mentality strong to push until the end of the game. Um, and you could say that it's really tough to manage a, a club that has all those superstar players with like egos and personalities and all that. So it's tough. But I mean, I think you take away more from the Pochettino losing to Real Madrid in that way than you do Ten Hag losing to Benfica in that way. Yeah, I can see. I can see. I can see your. I see your point there. I mean, Pochettino has less of a doesn't have really really a room for excuses as opposed to like Ten Hag. Exactly. The margin for error is a lot, uh, a lot um, smaller there. But we, what about Tuchel? Yeah, I was gonna say like we heard this name in rumors recently because Rangnick, um, apparently, you know, the German, the German pull was interested with everything happening at Chelsea right now. The turmoil there. Who knows if anything is up, uh, up for grabs? But like, do you think that would be a good signing for United if they can manage to somehow pull Tuchel from from Chelsea? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it, it, he would want that to happen. I think Tuchel is very happy at Chelsea. He just kind of wants the the club ownership situation to deal itself out. But yeah, I don't. I don't think it would happen. But I think it, it would be from a United perspective. I think it would be a great signing. You think? I'm mean, to the Champions League the first year arriving halfway through. Not even just the Champions League, but just the fact that I mean, just his pedigree, his resume as well speaks for himself. Like 
He's like he did big things. He did good things at Dortmund. Obviously, he did great things at Chelsea. So he's he comes in with a lot of experience, and he's also known for developing young players. And also, I think he's I believe he was there when Sancho was there as well. So he knows Sancho, I, be, I believe, because I know he was there with Pulisic. So I think and Pulisic and Sancho were at the same time. So. He knows some of the he knows, I guess, a few players in the team already to an extent. So and he's played against them week in, week out as well. So they in the Premier in the Prem. Yeah. So he knows who he's working with. And so he probably knows some of the weaknesses and the strength of the team. And I think it could it could be an asset to have a guy like him, as opposed to a guy like Ten Hag, who doesn't come from the league, who comes from like a completely different background, even though he's a great coach. No, don't get me wrong. But that's why I, I kind of favorite Pochettino over Ten Hag myself because of the experience that Pochettino has in like the the big games or the or just the prem games. But at the same time, that's also why uh, maybe a guy like Ten Hag could be a better spot because even he doesn't have the experience, but he comes from a, he comes with a fresh open mind and a new new set of ideas. And it worked out at Ajax. Why could it not work at United? I think that's what most United fans are thinking. But on the on the topic of like Tuchel and and stuff like that, like we know he's not going to be available to United, right? Um, but if after after the Champions League game against Atletico, after the loss, we we saw. I mean, I watched the the post game like analysis or whatever from like Paul Scholes and Rio Ferdinand, and I mean they were talking. I mean, listen, Paul Scholes has some harsh words to say about United, and I think everybody has some harsh words to say about United. But I think a lot of the time, his criticism is very unfair because when Ole was the manager. He never shot on Ole once. And Ragnik is the interim manager. And that was decided beforehand. Like, he was coming in here to stabilize the ship a little bit and try to get the most out of the players. And Paul Scholes was, like, ripping him in half, being like, he's not qualified to be United manager. Um, his tactics are outdated. Nothing's working, and he sucks. And I was just I was just kind of, like, taken back a little bit because I thought that was extremely unfair. Like, you didn't criticize Ole once in three years. And we United were like losing every game for like two months at some point near the end of all his tenure. Um, and he didn't criticize him once. And this man came in halfway through the season to pick up all his mess. And he's not even supposed to, he's not the manager of the future. He's not like he's literally just for a couple months. And he was, he's getting criticized completely for his lack of performances or whatever. That's, and I think it's really unfair that he made that point, but he did say something though. He did say with the size of United's club, they should be able to pull any manager in the whole world and they need, they need to go after the best if they want to fix this ship because we have not been doing anything for 10 years and it's time to change. I think everybody's on the table besides like Klopp and Pep, he said. Um, and I think that mentality is, is something that United need for sure because, um, I mean, but then Rio kind of like, you know, argued that is that what United tried to do with Mourinho at the time? But I think Mourinho, when we got Mourinho, he wasn't Mourinho anymore. You know, it wasn't it wasn't Porto or, or Madrid Mourinho. It was it was on the decline Mourinho, um, or Chelsea Mourinho, I guess. But I mean, what are your thoughts? like? Do you think United should go after like blockbuster, like you know, extreme, extremely proven at the highest level, like a Zidane or or one of those managers that you know are the best the best and not settle for anything less. i think it, de- it depends on a few things first of all <clears throat> does the coach himself want to be in the united because obviously playing for united i mean coaching united is a great i think it's very hard for someone to turn down an opportunity at united though that's the thing i mean i guess it, it depends on who else sh- knocks at the door i think but like you said united is a massive approach opportunity that not many people get to get and can't even like can uh can, can even consider so 
I mean, I would always like, I'm, I was always considering United as like one of the biggest jobs. It's a, it's one of the biggest clubs in the world. So obviously, it comes with a lot of responsibility. I think it also is a, a fact of who the who's gonna who's the manager who who's the um the in terms of the management of the of the, of the club like where are your as a coach like, how much power do you have because we've heard clubs where the general manager chooses the players but the coach just has to play them you don't really have any input on what the players what players are like bought or sold and you can get situations like uh psg where like anybody buys anybody and the coach has to somehow manage to get them to work and you can tell that it doesn't always work out like that i think it, i think if, uh, the 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 big part is how does your ideals as a coach align with the ideals of the general manager or the ownership and like make sure that everybody seems to be on the same uh, same uh, path towards winning because at the end of the day you guys want to win trophies that's the goal for every club really but for united especially so i think one thing that has got to be key for the next manager is that to make sure that he's aligned. I mean, he's going to have to be aligned with Rannick to an extent because Rannick is a consultant. So he's gonna—he's not necessarily like the biggest influence, but he's a, is, is a good, pretty good influence on the team. And I do see that, I do believe that... Like, do you think they should go over to for Zidane? Like, offer him more money than he can refuse to guarantee that? No, don't don't buy him from... I think, I think you, you want to go for someone that actually wants to be there too. Like, you don't just give him the money and like do what you would do what you got to do with it like give him a give him a budget for players if you need that sure but don't just give him the bag and like expect him to do miracles it's it's got to be like a plan there's got to be a plan in place like it, it's not going to happen in a year we know that we've seen and i mean it's obvious it's just i just feel like you make sure to make the. i, mean, I just feel like the united manager or the next manager has to be aligned with the club's uh process or ideals in terms of the long-term plans and how does the coach uh how does the coach input or how does the coach can what can the coach do to to work towards that and also like given the i mean given the budget obviously but don't spend just to spend spend smart spend on players that spend on your needs don't spend on your on your wants that was a financial that was a financial one well, right let, me, let me ask you then like do you think ragnick being manager of the club for an interim period and then taking over kind of like a not not exactly a director of football role but consulting in that in that kind of department do you think that helps the next manager or do you think that helps him in his experience um knowing uh, I, I, it depends on how it goes it can go either either way he might like right could become like an asset or he can also become a liability if he's too much of an influence and they don't agree that's what that's why i said that there's got to be like a, a mutual understanding of what the plans are for the club And that includes Rennick as well. Rennick has to make sure that he, I mean, they have to make sure that they pick someone that not only has this similar mindset to that to them, I'm not talking about like Rennick at the club itself, but also like aligns with their, their way of doing things and can sort of agree, or if anything, at least find a compromise. To I agree. It. Um, we'll move on to the next topic because I mean, we need to t touch on the Gareth Southgate England call-ups. I, I gotta say though, uh, from I really thought I would expect Paul Scholes to be a coach by now. The guy, the way that the guy played and stuff, I would have seen him as a United coach. I think he's been too critical of other managers already, and that he's a little bit nervous to take on a role because if he doesn't succeed there, um, he's probably gonna get flamed. Um, yeah, but look at Gary Neville. He fell at Valencia and he's doing okay with the TV right now. I know, but Gary Neville was never has, hasn't been um, 
critical to the like to the level that and and especially Roy Roy King to the extent. Yeah, but I mean to be fair to like Paul, like Ole is his friend. Like they played together. I don't think he was ever going to criticize him too hard. I know, but at some point, like he's a manager of Manchester United, and you got to call it what it is, right? Like you can be respectful about it. Obviously, that's how most criticism should go. Um, but the fact that like you didn't even bring that to light, and you was putting it all on the players, and the players have a lot to do with it, especially now that we realize after time has passed. But I think that was a mistake. But I saw you saying saying that United have narrowed down the short list of managers to four managers, and Thomas Tuchel is not one of them, and Ten and Pochettino are two of them. So the other who they are, but I'm thinking maybe like a Luis Enrique or something like that. Um, it'd be interesting to see, but I think it's going to end up. Oh, he's not leaving Spain. He's not leaving Spain. Yeah, I know, but I think I think those are the, the names that are going to come into into light. But I think it's going to end up being Ten Hag or Pochettino, and I'm hoping it's Ten Hag. Uh, but if we talk about uh, Gareth Southgate, do you rate him as a manager or no? He's all right. I think he's all right. He's done. I think he's done a good job with England during the last World Cup. I think England probably have a better performance than they do with the talent that they have. They should have. They should have um, had a better performance, even if at the Euros. There's like, always going to be questions and marks about the selection of the team and like the, the lineup and stuff. Because every, I feel like every game last year, last uh, at the Euros, there was at least a question mark, at least two, three question marks per lineup. But he got to the final. I know, but I think it's kind of like. You know, you, you you got to the final in spite of that. I think if they have a better manager, um, they probably get a better result there too, because that final was up for grabs. Um, and especially um, seeing that the how the final ended in the shootout and the decisions made there, um, it's definitely bringing a lot of stuff into question. Ooh, phone call. Sorry about that. You gotta put your phone on silent while we record. No, I'm getting phone calls, random phone calls. That's my bad. That's not, is that the second time that this happens? It's been, I think it's been like the last three episodes, but not th- not three. <laughs> um, I need someone to explain to me why Harry Maguire has been chosen for the England squad and and Tomori has not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a travesty. It it kind of just like makes no sense to me. Um, I've honestly like I like I tweeted like I wanted to make sure that Nigeria and Canada still have eligibility uh, are still eligible for to Tomori because at this point like he'd be so nice in a Canada jersey. He played one game in the like in the under twenties with Canada, so wouldn't that be sick though with the squad that we have this year? It would be it would be a great uh, like addition, especially for our center backs, especially for a young center back. Yeah. But I could also see him in Nigeria and do very well there. I think he, I think he wants to keep that, Eng, that England because uh, obviously England will be competing for World Cups and Euro Cups for the foreseeable future, obviously. So I think uh, the potential for his his winning stuff is, is higher there than it would be uh, with a Canadian jersey. But um, I mean, what are your what are your takes on, on the England squad? I'm just happy. I'm just glad that the Arteta's work is being recognized just by the fact of the number of Arsenal players in the squad. Ramsdale, White, Saka, and Smith-Rowe. I think Ramsdale might be injured, so he might not actually be playing, but because Leno played the last game. Um, I'm just happy to see that there's a there's a few... The young guns are making progress into the squad. I'm excited to see Ben White. I think Ben White was probably the one that I expected a lot the uh, lot to, from uh, to see as a center back. You'd ever think you you were gonna hear me say this, but I think Ben White's a better defender than Harry Maguire. Oh, shocker! Who would who who would have thought? Who would have thought? It's it's looking like money well spent. Was it what was it forty or fifty mil on 
Ben White. Listen, as long as it wasn't 80 mil like Maguire, he's gonna live up to his price tag at some point. But yeah, like I said, I, I think this this whole squad, or at least the, the amount of Arsenal players in the squad, is uh, I think Arsenal has the most uh, the the most number of players from any English clubs. I believe I didn't I didn't check that, but just uh, if it is if it's the it's dope. Uh, like I said, Ben White. I'm, I'm excited to see what Ben White does. Uh, I mean, Saka was already in the squad, and he's been on a tear recently. So confidence is, on, he's been like on a very on a great run, and confidence is boiling right now. You can tell. I think I'm expecting to see Smith Rowe do some good things as well. He has taken a bit of a step back, mainly because I think not because he was injured, but mainly because well, I mean, he was he was injured, but I think the lineup kind of forces him not to play like every game, or at least not to start every game. Because it's hard to play him, Odegaard, Saka, and like Martinelli all together. It's not enough room, but I'm expe- I'm expecting him to get some minutes in England. Um, and yeah, like I'm I'm excited to see. I think this. I mean, get, you got to give a lot of credit to Arteta because at the beginning he wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't work out so well for him. And there was about there's a lot of question marks of the signings. I mean, the signings were great. I think all so far every signing has worked out. Um. I'm almost. I almost want to say that he might be should be considered for coach of the year. I think he would win it if Arsenal finishes in the top four, considering how we were the year before. Um, but it is. I mean, like I said, it is to his to his credit, and it just shows that sticking with Arteta was actually the right decision. That's why I was kind of pissed when I saw Arteta out like trending on Twitter when uh, we lost to Liverpool. Even though yeah, it, it was Liverpool, it is a better team than us. It was trending on Twitter. Arteta I was training on Twitter when we lost. Oof. I mean, listen, that wasn't a great game, but that was a harsh. That's hard. It wasn't a great game, but like, come on, yeah, like it wasn't realistic. But anyways, I'm glad to see the my the, my young guns with the three lions. See what they do over there, and um, looking forward to see what the friendly. I I don't know if they're I don't know who they're playing. I hope they're not playing like San Marino or something like that. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they can get question some of the week to end the pod. Episode 60, 64, question of the week. Who is more valuable to their team? Who's more indispensable? Benzema to Real Madrid or Ronaldo to Manchester United at this point? Because we've seen both clubs struggle without the player in the lineup. I think, I think Ronaldo to United is kind of uh, interesting because um, I don't think he has as much of an... like. I mean, he's our biggest scoring threat, right? But so is Benzema for Madrid. Um, and we saw how both teams managed without the, them in the, in the team. I think, I think Benzema to United, uh, to uh, uh, Madrid is a little bit more important because we saw how, we saw how their whole offense runs through Benzema, even in the buildup, not just as the finishing. Um, so missing him, they did not have a lot of scoring opportunities in the classical, you can see. Whereas United... United can play a, a system without Ronaldo, but Ronaldo, without a doubt, the best scorer on the team. I think it, I think it's Ronaldo to United. I mean, Ronaldo and United because we've seen, like I said, this game, the, the Clásico was one game, and it was horrible for Madrid, but it was only one game. We've seen them play with Jovic or Mariano, usually it's Jovic, and win games. A few games, not every game, but most of the games they've played well. I think for the most part, Benzema, I mean, Benzema is the glue to this Madrid team, like attacking wise, no question there. But I think if Ronaldo doesn't play for United, you know how many games you guys lose? I think it's double what you already lost. 
I can't, I can't check the numbers, but I feel like United Ronaldo has a biggest bigger influence on United than Benzema has on I think Madrid. It's tough to do a direct comparison because um because uh I want to say like Madrid have a better team than United besides Ronaldo. Benzema. The situation is a lot more stable there. Um so you wouldn't see a complete collapse without the best player. Um, and you can argue that Ronaldo, Ronaldo isn't United's best player, but he's their most important player. Whereas Benzema is definitely in the mix for United uh, for Real Madrid's best player. Who will be United's most important player for Cristiano Ronaldo? I mean, right now I think Sancho is our best player. He's been the most informed for the longest period of time, and he's making the most difference on the pitch, um, on a consistent basis. Right now, I think. Um, besides that, like a lot of our players are not informed. I mean, Bruno's not getting. He he he's been uh, coming off the bench a couple times. Pogba's uh, coming off the bench a couple times. Like they're not consistent starting eleven starters. Rashford's not in form. Has been this whole season. Um, you know, McTominay and Fred. They're not United's best players. Our defense center back pairing, Varane can't stay healthy, and Maguire is our least best player. Um, so it puts a lot into question, right? There's not a lot of consistency in the squad right now, but. I would have to go with Benzema. I thought you were going to go on another United rant for a second. Though. Yeah, you know, you got to stop. Every time you talk about United now, it's painful. It is painful. And hopefully one day there'll be a day where this podcast can talk positive, positively about United. I hope to be alive for that one day. Ain't that right? <laughs> Ain't that right? But that's going to do it for episode 64 in the books. Um, if you made it this far, I really appreciate it. Thanks for rocking with us. And thanks for listening to the pod. Um, hopefully you follow us on our social medias on Twitter for press pod on Instagram forward underscore pressing drop us a follow so you're notified every time this episode go live every Wednesday uh, participate in the question of the week the debates we have going on th- uh, going out on there and yeah that's about it anything else Yanis you want to mention before we, we kick it there's more doors and wheels no there's more wheels and doors and that's gonna do it episode 42 42 my god no <laughs> episode 42 because I have the 64 <laughs> 64 <laughs> episode 64 42 minutes longest episode in a while see you next week peace, peace.